Hello, and welcome to In Trust. My name is Lisa Nambayar. And my name is Rick Kitagawa, and thanks for joining us for our show about the most valuable asset today, trust. Today, we're thrilled to be joined by Mike Linden, problem solver, storyteller, artist, visual effects superstar, and a reimagineer of education. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi. Hello, Mike. So awesome to have you here. And for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Who am I? Uh, let's go to the what do I do. So right now I'm a visual effects supervisor at a studio called Tangent Animation. I work in the computer graphics fields. I've worked in film. I've worked in video games, primarily as a visual effects artist. So whenever you see explosions or fire or water on the screen, that's generally something I've been involved in. And I think through the journey of doing that, I've always been interested in education. So I've taught in various ways, either as part of supporting software or teaching software, or just because I like to help people. So I think that's a, that's a rough idea of, of what I do. And I think that also touches on who I am, is that I think I'm extremely curious. Uh, so I'm always researching, studying, kind of trying to learn new things. And as soon as I know enough, I want to teach other people. So. I think that's always been a thread through what I do. That's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing with regards to education and sharing your curiosity and learning with creatives? Yeah. So uh, most recently, I I realized, so I'm going to talk specifically about the industry that I know the most about, which is kind of the computer graphics world. And I think as more and more people go online these days to to learn i noticed that there were a lot of video training tutorials like that had become kind of a common way to to do things and i actually did the alt mba two years ago and that was my i guess one of my introductions into how education could be done differently where it was project-based it was personal there was a, a different level of accountability involved and so most recently, what I was exploring was how do I bring some of those ideas to computer graphics training? Because I think people, they need an environment where they can play. They can figure out what it is that they want to do and then have the support to go in whatever direction that might be. And a lot of curriculums out there are structured, which I think supports the, the teacher, but not so much the learner, because the very word curriculum creates the structure around what you will learn in what order. And I think one of the things that, that I've learned and I've been exploring uh, with some people is if you give just enough structure, what then can students do within that space to create their own things? And so we did a four week course where they were actually doing rigid body dynamics, which is a very fancy way to say, blowing stuff up, but it was destroying buildings. But what was interesting about this course was that every single person had a different result by the end of the, the four weeks. It wasn't a cookie cutter. Everyone had exactly the same thing to show. And I think part of that was the fact that we gave them the building blocks and the foundational pieces, and then they went off and made up what they wanted to, and they would come back and we would give feedback, and then they would go off and do their thing. So that's been my most recent kind of foray into education. Thanks, Mike. That sounds so fascinating. And I know there's a lot of unstructured education out there. Like you mentioned internet videos and you know, there's tons of tutorials online. Do you have any thoughts about why 
we need to reimagine education as a system as opposed to just say why why can't someone just learn you know rigid body dynamics by watching youtube tutorials what's the role in maybe an institution or more of a formalized education do you have any thoughts around that yeah you know i i actually think most people almost anyone could watch youtube videos to learn anything that they wanted to and i think more and more people are doing that every day um i think the thing that is missing is confidence in oneself to find what they need, whether that's people, whether that's resources. And I think a part of the reason that that has happened is because of how education is structured. It's the, the, the way things are taught is that there is an oracle, there is a person who knows all and you learn from that person. There are, like I said, curriculums which say, this is what you will learn, this is what's important. And I think that's, created a habit and a culture where people don't feel that they have the ability to learn on their own to kind of self start their learning process. So I think those are some of the things that I think we need to start changing, we need to unshackle what it is that someone learns. And I think some people are already doing this, there are kind of systems around it. I'm going to forget the, the term now, but right from sort of kids up until till adults, there are now programs that are project based and more around what does that person want to learn and then just supporting them where they can. I love that approach that's really focused on the learner through that. And I'd love to maybe go back to your origin story a little bit of how did you get into visual effects, which I don't think is something that many of us knew about in school as a field to dive into. And to me, that's a field that's really at the forefront of innovation and pushing that forward and playing with possibility. And I'm curious why that might be important to you. Yeah, well, it's, as you've said, it's kind of at the forefront of innovation and, and not a lot of people know how to get into it. I think at the time I was on track to either go into investment management or economics, or I was very much heading in that route. And by chance, my friend basically said, would you like to come and see what her sister was doing at this company that was doing 3D, had no idea what it was, sounded interesting. And I, I literally watched someone model a loaf of bread and a bread knife in 3D. And this is back in like 2000, 2001. And in those eight hours, I was meant to be there for an hour at the studio, I ended up spending the whole day there, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. And at the time, I'm from South Africa, there weren't a lot of places where you could learn these kind of things. And so what I ended up doing was actually doing an internship with the same company that I'd initially gone to. And their idea of an internship was they put me in front of a computer, they gave me the manual to the software, and they said, we'll see you in a couple of months time. <laughs> so I was literally thrown into that environment of being a self learner, like I, I had access to the people that ran the studio to answer questions. But it was up to me to decide what was important, what I would learn next, how I would find resources online. And I'm, I'm, I'm self-taught in pretty much every aspect of my career. That's a pretty bold way to go into a field like that by really just jumping into the deep end. Do you remember kind of going back to time where you got the manual for the software and trying to figure out how to move forward? When, and I think that's a context where a lot of people would just feel overwhelmed. Uh, I, I wish it was deliberate, but I think the moving forward was I, the one thread that always kind of moved through, I would say, the, the beginning of my career 
is I was just so excited to be doing what I was doing. Every day was fun. And I, I think I was lucky enough to have a family that supported that, that said, as long as you do the thing that excites you, it'll be okay. And so in terms of moving forward, I didn't always know what was going to happen next or what I should do next, but things kind of happened. For instance, three months in, the company got a really big job and they needed extra help. So I was doing a paid job within a couple of months. And then by the end of the year, there were a number of interns and they said they could only keep a couple of them going forward. So there was now the focus of, okay, I need to prove that I am valuable enough to keep on. So that gave me the drive to keep going. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that was kind of how I kept going was just following that. I would say for a good six or seven years without thinking about it until I looked back and was like, oh yeah, I'm here now. That's so fascinating, Mike. And I wonder if, you know, you mentioned when, when talking about education, this idea of trusting yourself to just go out there and, and be curious and to play and to make things. And it sounds like that's been really crucial in terms of your own career developing over the years. And I'm really interested in what have you learned about trusting in yourself as you go about the work that you do? Yeah, that's that's actually something I've been thinking a lot about lately because I, I see it in others as well is I think by trusting in oneself and, I, and the more I think about the idea of what it means to trust in yourself, the more I start coming up with other words, whether it's beliefs or stories or a number of other things. So I think it was the fact that the confidence came from the doing. I was having fun and I was moving through things and that was enough to keep me moving forward because I think if I look back and I even look at now, I probably didn't have a lot of trust in myself. I was constantly doubting myself. Could I do the next job? Could I present what it was that I was being asked to do? But I think there was enough of a, a passion that was kind of pushing me forward that I could ride that tension of not having the confidence, not having the trust to kind of keep on going. And the reason I bring all of that up is that now I feel I, I do trust myself. I trust myself in my capabilities and what I can do. And I'm also self-aware enough, I believe, to know what I am not capable of or am not comfortable in doing, but trust that I will find what I need to resolve that. So whether it's accessing other people or other resources or that kind of thing. And so what I'm seeing a lot in the industry, I mean, I think the creative industry, we see it all the time, is people that don't trust themselves. They don't trust that they can do what it is they want to do. And I think it, it leads to a lack of confidence and it leads to them not trying for the jobs that they really want or not speaking up when they have an opportunity to contribute or maybe producing work and then doubting that it's good enough for where they are. So yeah, I think that plays out in a number of ways. I love that a lot. I've done a lot of work around education, especially with young creatives. And I think that self-doubt really plays a big part in, in holding a lot of people back. You mentioned that it wasn't necessarily initially trusting yourself to have the answer, but it was that it was a trust in yourself to be able to figure out who to go to or what resource to pull on. And I think that's just really fascinating because I think most of the time people think about trust in terms of like, can I do the thing? But you have this 
really interesting lens of I can trust myself to at least figure it out. And do you think you have any insight as to how that developed or how maybe other people might want to reframe things so they could feel more comfortable in seeking out those uh, resources? Yeah, let me think about that for a second. I think it does come back to this idea of excitement or passion that when you're truly excited about something, then I think the, the there, there isn't as much space for the self-doubt. So trusting that you will find what you need, whether it's within yourself or without yourself, is a lot easier for that to happen. So I know that there there's a lot of, you know, people have varying opinions on this idea of follow your passion. I know that some people are very against it because it's, it's, it's not stoic and, and, you know, you have to kind of be deliberate and have good habits and all those kind of things. And I think there's validity to that, but there's also the side that if you really are doing the thing that excites you the most and you're just doing that every moment of the day, then these other pieces that need to fit into that process almost happen automatically. And so if I was to try and articulate that for someone who maybe doesn't trust themselves or have the confidence, I would say that it, it requires a level of kind of stepping outside of oneself. So I'm going to try and reword this. It's being comfortable where you are right now. So part of the trust, the trust is knowing that whatever you are doing right now, whatever drawing you're trying to make or character you're trying to animate or, you know, anything that's creative or anything really is exactly what you should be doing right now in whatever form that is created. And I think by doing that, you trust the process and you also are able to almost in, without thinking about it, trust that other things will come in to support what you're trying to do. So it's this weird thing where maybe a paradox where it's not about seeking out other people and building the confidence and the trust that, that you will find those things, but almost knowing that they will, they will be around if you, if you kind of just stick to your task. I think this is super fascinating. I want to go deeper with this mic a little bit, because I think that sense of presence that you're bringing us to is counter to a lot of ways we're kind of conditioned in the world and where we're always looking outward for comparisons versus kind of looking at where we were yesterday on that journey that way. And I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts of how you overcome that pressure that I think is pretty prevalent in industries that are very much based on portfolios and kind of chasing whatever is ahead or whatever is kind of best in class at the forefront of industry. Yeah, you know, it's it's a fine line, but but the word that comes to mind is validation. I think, you know, especially artists, artists do it because, hopefully, because they love what they do. A lot of artists are not doing it for the money. They might make money in the long run, but initially that's not the thing. And so I think when you're creating something, whatever it might be, and you you release it to the world, there is a moment there where, where you're looking for validation. You're looking for someone else to say that that's good, that that's okay, that that's worthwhile. And I think that's the, the difficult part to let go of is to go, are you happy with where it is? And I mean, to unravel that, I think almost requires a relearning. And what I mean by that is, we grow up with so many influences, whether it's our parents or our teachers 
or you know our friends around us looking for this validation you know when you make something and someone says oh i really like that or that's really good and then that feeds into this the world of what you are making like that is a part of that process and so i think it's about taking the time and i can only speak to my own personal experience i'm going to date this particular conversation now but because of the pandemic because of um COVID, we've had six months of what i would call solitude like i've had six months of solitude where i was i had time with myself to think about these things and so what i'm saying through all of that is that it was acknowledging that i was seeking validation from others in the work that i was doing and then every time something came up that touched on that is questioning it and going do i need that person to validate what i'm doing so whether it's an art portfolio or whether it's an interview or whatever it is in order to know that my my work and and i think with a lot of artists my worth my self-worth is worthy based on something that someone else has said and so i think it's the it's acknowledgement and then a constant process and practice of trying to separate from that and i've been lucky in that i've had a i've had a six month advanced course because of this this solitude as i'd like to call it uh where i was able to practice this a lot because i there wasn't much else to do yes Yes, yes, yes. I love the wisdom that you're bringing here about this, Mike. You've really deconstructed how creatives and artists especially have to navigate maybe a world where there's this sense of we put ourselves out towards others to be judged, but then we also have to find the value within ourselves. And the field itself is really both collaborative in a lot of times, because I know you recently took a role as an animation supervisor at the studio. And it's also competitive, right? Because like you were saying, there's portfolios and, and all of that. So I'm really curious, what have you learned about trusting others along the way, in terms, especially in terms of collaboration and the work that you're doing now? I think before you can trust others, you have to trust yourself. What I'm seeing is that I think if we don't trust ourselves to bring our own unique perspective and abilities to a problem, then how are we gonna trust others to, to do the same? And so it's, it's really interesting because, and for instance, you know, someone was saying, oh, we need to do more reviews. We need more feedback. We need to, to see more of, of that person's work. And my response was, no, we need more trust because what I was hearing was that the person was asking for, I, I think, Controls probably got a negative connotation in the sense, but they wanted to make sure that it looked exactly the, the way they wanted it to look. Um, and you talk about a collaborative process when you're working in a studio environment where there's a lot of people who have their own inputs and are making a product, whether it's a video game or a commercial or a movie, there are generally kind of people higher up on the hierarchy who have a, a final say. But in order for these big projects to get made, there's hundreds of other people that have to be involved in that process. And when it comes to collaboration, I think the really good leaders, the really good directors are the ones that trust the people they're working with so that they can give their point of view and their direction and their goal and then trust other people to do the work that they were hired to do as part of that. And I think that's the interesting thing with collaboration is going, I trust you 
to get this done in a way that will get relatively close to what I want. And I think that's maybe the interesting thing in terms of trust and confidence and control is some people want it to look exactly the way that they envision it in their heads. And that's fair enough. That's totally valid. I think if that's something that uh, someone wants, they can pursue that. But I think when you're working in a larger group, there needs to be some boundary or, or, or space to play within that. And that's where the trust and the collaboration comes in, which is, I want to go in this direction. Uh, will you come with me? And they go, yes. And, you know, they might not end up in exactly the same spot you would have ended up. But if they're a couple of steps away, that's okay. Because at that point you go, okay, we're, we're, we're heading in the right direction. Now I want to go there. And that person comes along for the ride as opposed to going, well, you're not standing exactly where I'm standing. So therefore you're not able to do what I need you to do. And therefore I don't trust you to be a part of this collaborative process. Preach it, Mike. Preach it. <laughs> every Sorry, creative. This, has been on, this has been on my mind a lot lately. So <laughs> No, every creative in the world is just like, yes, this. Like with the claps along every to punctuate everything. Yeah. Fabulous. I think every innovator too, just not not only in creative industries. Yeah, and I at least I think that's the important thing to to acknowledge here is this is not just about the art this i think is about any kind of collaborative work and and moving in a direction and uh, uh you know my supervisor or you know the guy that hired me basically has told me a number of times we don't need to like hit the the bullseye every single time we just have to be roughly in that area because we're going to be throwing for that bullseye hundreds of thousands of times and each time you're just trying to get close enough to it to keep moving on to the next one I think we often forget a key point that you're bringing there is the reps. We don't just have one shot. We're going to keep throwing and cycling through these ideas and bringing them to life on that side. You've shared so, so much wisdom with us so far, but I'd love to bring it back to what practical advice would you give to, especially whether it's a young creative coming into this field and it's building up their self-trust and their self-confidence, or a leader who's also building up that trust or that confidence to trust in their team, to realize their vision and just get, get close. I would say to young creatives, and this is, this is my personal perspective and opinion, and I'm sure some might disagree, but I think often we look up at, at our heroes or, or you know, other artists that are doing great work and that becomes the, the goalpost. That's kind of what we're aiming for. And some young creators are lucky enough to actually communicate and engage with these people. But to this point of the difference between someone who's good at kind of guiding and mentoring versus someone who's good at art, and some can be good at both, I would say to young creators, find someone that can support where you're trying to go rather than someone who's going to try and mold you into who they are. Because I think that's kind of the, the point that, that a lot of people try and do. They try and have their work look like someone else's work. They try and, you know, match that style or personality or whatever it is. Instead of having someone, finding a mentor who can go, well, what is it you want to do? What are you trying to do? And how do you want to structure this? And ask more questions and make statements. I think that is what I would recommend to, to junior creatives. And then I think for leaders in the creative role, I think it's about 
everything we've just spoken about, it's first asking yourself a very direct question, which is, do you trust yourself to do the job that you're doing? Because especially in the creative field, a lot of the times people go from artist to leader and you train for years and years to be an artist and then you're thrust into the role of a leader and they are not the same thing. They require different skills. They require different ways of approaching things. And so I think it's about asking, do you trust yourself to be a leader, not to be an artist? You know, you're a good artist. That's how you got here in the first place. And then to start acknowledging how you can develop the leadership skills further. And a simple way of describing that is art making is a hard skill, whereas dealing with people, encouraging them, getting the best out of them to get your vision is a soft skill. And I think it's about understanding the difference between that and how to kind of balance them. So wise, Mike. I love I love all of the the mic traps. Literally mic traps that you are <laughs> giving us. I know that in the field of entertainment, there's a lot of times you can't talk about things that you're working on, things like that, because of non-disclosure agreements, that sort of thing. But I do just want to ask, what's coming up for you that you you can talk about, if anything? Oh, what can I talk about? Um, I got to be honest, I don't think there is anything I can talk about. I can't talk about shows or <laughs> what I'm doing at the moment or anything that's public, really. And I don't have any current side projects that I think are worth mentioning either. Totally fair. Totally fair. So in that case, where can people find out about you if they'd like to learn more? Sure. I think probably my website, mikelinden.online is a good place. If you want to see all my rants about education and how we can improve education, I've written, I wouldn't say extensively, but I've certainly published a couple of articles on what I think could be changed and how education is approached specifically within computer graphics. And then I'm on Twitter at Mike underscore Linden, L-Y-N-D-O-N. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mike. This has been insightful and a lot of fun. Thank you, both of you. This has been fantastic. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please join us again next time for In Trust. Thanks for listening to the Interest Podcast. And if this resonated with you, be sure to click that subscribe or follow button and leave us a five-star thumbs up review. We would also love for you to share with a friend because after all, trust is an infinite game and it's better together. And now a quick word from our sponsors. If you're looking to successfully make change happen, you need to build trust. Lots of it. Fortunately, over here at Spotlight Trust, We've put together a 20-page practical guide that details actionable steps you can take to build trust at scale and accelerate your change making. Download your free copy today at spotlighttrust.com/playbook.